We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. So yeah, as has already been said today, this term we've been going through um, a series on the one another statements within scripture. Um, And I get the privilege, I guess, of of wrapping up that series. And um, my real hope with today is that Um, The series won't end here, but that there will be a sense of us going out as one another and bearing good fruit as community. So, so far we've looked at loving one another. That's really the anchor that this whole series starts with and continues in. Committing to one another, encouraging one another, serving, praying, forgiving and living in harmony with one another. And this week, as has been said, I'll be looking at sharing with one another. I think it's been really powerful to look at these statements, which are really scattered throughout Scripture, particularly in the New Testament, spoken by Jesus or by Paul when instructing disciples, followers of Jesus, on how to live. Throughout the statements, there's kind of these reoccurring themes of unity, love, and humility. Which, when you think about it, and just pause for a moment on that, makes complete sense. Because these one another statements are about how we interact as family. And I think as family, we need unity, we need love, and we need humility. Sharing, by its very nature, requires other people, doesn't it? It's an act that can only be done together, or with one another. And I think most of us in this room would acknowledge that sharing is a good thing. Whether we find it natural or embrace it reluctantly, it's something we've been taught since a really early age. You must share (laughs) with one another. Those of us who have siblings have probably heard that instruction time and time again. You must share. But it's not just something that we should do or must do. It's actually just really key for how we interact with each other. We have to be willing to share with one another. And when I got this verse, I thought there's so many ways in the Christian life that you could look at the theme to share with one another. And um, to narrow it down a bit, I just thought, I'm going to look at hospitality. Partly because I like food, but partly because it's a great example of sharing with one another. The table is a space of sharing, isn't it? Yes, the sharing of food, but also of experience, of emotion, of honesty, and of life. We get this instruction to be hospitable to one another in Scripture. Um, If you want to flick to it, it's 1 Peter 4, verses 8 to 9. This is what it says. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. We then find a similar instruction in Romans 12, verse 3, where it says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. When you look throughout scripture, we see the example of the sharing of meals just scattered throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, but particularly in the Gospels and in the early church. Jesus, time and time and time again, is sharing meals with others. 
throughout the early church and throughout the Gospels, the home and the table would have been the only gathering place. It wouldn't have been the basement. It would have been the table. And today we share that same heart, I guess, that as a church, we're a body, not a building. So the table, that continues to be a key setting place for us. It's our gathering place. So we're going to turn to some scripture where Jesus eats with people. There's loads that we could have chosen from. Um, But let's turn to Matthew 9, verses 9 to 11. So as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked questions. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The table spoken of in this passage is one where outcasts eat together. The tax collector is welcomed The broken and the lost, they're invited in. People really look on in shock, questioning Jesus. Why would a teacher involve himself with those kinds of people? On hearing these questions, we read later on that Jesus responds, likening himself to a doctor. A doctor has to go out and interact with sick people to do their job. If they didn't go out, and interact with sick people, they simply wouldn't be doing their job. What use would it be for doctors to stay in quarantine? Jesus interacts with the lost, the least, and the lonely, because that's the very people he came to save. That was his job. In Jesus, God chose to dwell with humanity and get involved with our messiness. Jesus offered this life-changing invitation to a family gathering. While we were still sinners, we were invited in. Thanks. (laughs) While we were still sinners, we were invited in. Um, Jesus came and ate with us, just like Matthew. He longs to meet us. He longs to call us by name, call us to follow him, and he will be with us always. Not one of us is counted out or uninvited. There is a seat at the table for each and every one of us. God has taken us from being lost and brought us into his household and adopted us as children. And then we are called to be faithful stewards of that grace that God showed to us and which we have received. We even have this meal that we share together to remember this very welcome and this very grace, communion. So before Jesus died... He broke bread and shared wine, likening it to his body broken and his blood shed on the cross. And then after his resurrection, when he appears to his disciples, it's this very act, the breaking of bread, that his disciples recognized him by. So we have this meal to remember that grace that Jesus showed to us on the cross. So each time we break bread and we drink wine, We um, remember Jesus and that meal he shared with his friends. We remember him offering himself on the cross for us, each one of us. No one counted out. 
And we rejoice in his resurrection, the fact that he didn't stay dead, but he is alive today. And we look forward in the breaking of that bread to the coming of God's kingdom in full. We do it as he instructed us, do this in remembrance of me. So that's, that's the first point, really. There's something about hospitality that is an extension of the welcome and the hospitality that we have received through Jesus Christ accepting us. I've lost my place. Oh, yeah. So in Romans 15, verse 7, it says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. So, in accepting one another, just as Christ accepted us, God gets praise. So, our hospitality brings praise to God. I'm just going to share my testimony, really, which is one that involves a very ordinary meal. I was 10 years old and having a bit of a rough time, to be honest, um, but a couple from church invited me for dinner. I don't remember if this was a planned meal or whether it was a spontaneous thing, but I really remember this meal vividly. Before this point, I would say that I prayed at night on my own to God. I did believe that God was real, but I can't say I thought that much about church or community. But on that night, over some greasy takeaway pizza, that couple demonstrated to me something of Jesus. For the first time, I realized that, that, you know, this faith walk that we're on, it's not just an individual pursuit that we do on our own, but it's a communal one. Over pizza, that couple demonstrated to me that I didn't have to go it alone. The table was laid, and people were there with me, pointing me to Jesus. I really believe when we host others, that God is with us and he can use us. The spirit of God dwells in each one of us. So as we invite people to come and eat, and eat at our table, he is there with us. In Luke 19, verse 1 to 7, we see another interaction of Jesus eating with sinners. So I'm going to read that passage now. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was short, so could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give back half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay it back four times the amount. Jesus responded and said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. So I love this interaction. 
Zacchaeus is this man desperate just to catch one glimpse of Jesus. Like, I don't know if he anticipated meeting him and eating with him, but he was willing to climb a tree just to catch that one glimpse of him. Yet Jesus shouts up to him in the tree and invites himself to his house for dinner. And Zacchaeus' response is to welcome Jesus gladly and to turn his whole life around and give his whole life to Jesus, saying, here and now I repent. Once again, this, in this passage, Jesus' interactions are really kind of surprising people. His kingdom movement is not looking like they expected. He's not only just interacting with sinners, but he's eating with them and staying at their houses. Zacchaeus welcomed Jesus gladly with no grumbling. Remember that instruction at the beginning. So how do we welcome others gladly without grumbling? Hospitality is ultimately about welcoming others and sharing lives together. But, But yet we can so easily make it about hosting and about entertainment, posh meals and nice houses. In the ancient world, to share food with someone was to share life. That's why Jesus' radically inclusive dining table was turning heads. Meals shared were a gesture of intimacy that created a bond of fellowship. And let's be honest, it's no different today. Meals shared are a gesture of intimacy and they create bonds of fellowship. I've got countless memories that I could share of meals shared with others in good times and in bad times where relationships went deeper and commitments were strengthened. When we think about sharing with one another in this way, it's so much less about who is the host and who is the guest. And it's so much more about what we have in common as community. Community and fellowship is deeply longed for, so deeply longed for. In some recent research from the last year, it was found that one in 14 over 16-year-olds say that they felt lonely often or always. And in young people in this age bracket, it's even more prevalent. It seems like this constant connection of social media just isn't cutting it. People are really longing for depth. They're longing for intimacy. They're longing for real. They want to know that they are known, that they are heard, and that they are loved. The dining place, t- dining table is a place where we can actually be real with others. Questions can be asked about how we're doing and real answers are invited. Sharing with one another isn't about plastering on a fake smile, cooking a meal, and avoiding the hard stuff of life. It's actually about choosing to welcome others in, regardless of the season that we find ourselves in. It's about choosing community instead of going it alone. Some of us may, whether we like it or not, idolize self-reliance. But Jesus was always, always, always others-focused. Why do you think there's so many statements about one and other? He was always others-focused. He was often reliant on the hospitality of others as he traveled throughout his ministry. He didn't have a house, 
And that didn't seem to restrict him. We see him inviting himself to people's houses. We see him staying for days simply because someone said, Jesus, stay for some days, and he does it. He modeled accepting hospitality during his ministry, and when he sent out the disciples in the sending of the 72, he encouraged them to accept hospitality. So I think his encouragement to us as his disciples is the same. Jesus encourages his disciples to receive hospitality where it is offered. He says, stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you. And when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. So as we as a community practice hospitality, I think we're going to have to practice it in both the receiving and the giving of hospitality. Romans 12 verse 13 that I mentioned earlier in the message translation puts it like this. It says, be inventive in hospitality. So as a community, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be inventive in hospitality. We need to find ways of sharing meals with others, regardless of what may seem lacking currently. Perhaps as a student, you live in a shared house and inviting others over is difficult. So invite yourself to someone's house. A few months ago, a lovely oh one got in touch with me and Luke and said, I want to bring dinner over and eat with you. We obviously responded by saying, yes, <laughs> come on over. And it's more than just like a meal. It was, I guess, something that he did with his family, and he wanted to do it with some people in Loughborough. So who did he turn to? But the church family, that's what inventive hospitality looks like. In our small group, we've found ways of sharing food together, whether that's communion or full meals or cheesecake. Perhaps in your workplace, you want to initiate an office lunch because food is a place where people are real. So sharing food together might unlock something of realness in your workplace and build community that you desperately long for. And not just something that you're longing for, but your colleagues are longing for too. The early church is said to be devoted to breaking bread together and sharing in fellowship. So what does it look like for you to be devoted to sharing food and your life with others? We are all invited to this table, and we all have a contribution to bring. There's a really interesting bit in scripture where Jesus appears to his disciples post-resurrection and invites them to breakfast. Um, I've not got time to go into all of it, but if you want to read it, it's in John 21, verses 1 to 14. So in this interaction, effectively, the disciples are fishing. Um, they, they've been out all night probably fishing, and they've not caught a thing yet. Jesus is on the shoreline, and he says, have you caught any fish? And they are like, no, <laughs> not caught anything. They're probably pretty annoyed. I'm going to imagine, <laughs> as the disciples having been out all night fishing. Um, and Jesus performs this miracle and says, put your nets down on this side and this almighty haul of fish they catch. But the funny thing is, Jesus already has a fire going with some fish on, ready for breakfast. But he still invites the disciples to contribute. And he performs a miracle so that they can contribute to breakfast. 
Jesus really values eating with his disciples. He really values eating with them, and he invites them to bring their contribution. So, I think we all have a contribution. The table is laid, and we all have something to contribute. So, when you show up, what are you bringing? Will we contribute by creating the welcoming environment? Will we bring the realness? You know, when we're eating with people and the answers aren't cutting it, when it's just, I'm fine, my week's been okay, will we bring the realness and ask the good questions? When Jesus fed the 5,000, he started with a young boy's packed lunch. When we offer ourselves to, to God and say, use us, God's power works through us. So all we have to do is bring what we have. We also need to consider, following Jesus' example, who we are inviting. There's certainly something to be said for the believers being devoted to sharing meals together. Absolutely. But we're also called to not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Hospitality is not just for us in this room, but it's for the stranger too. In Hebrews 13, verses 1 to 2, it says, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. I think we're pretty good at that. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. For me, this verse is a real encouragement to us to keep on showing hospitality to each other, to keep on loving, to keep on being real with one another, to share with one another. But it's also a challenge. It's also a challenge to remember who's not at this table who needs inviting in. Who needs into this family gathering that is the most inclusive thing going? Jesus invited this unlikely bunch of, of people to sit and eat with him. He invited me. And he invited you. Who are we going to invite into this family gathering so that they can experience a bit more of Jesus and eat with him? Who will recognize Jesus simply by the act of breaking bread? I believe that there's people in your lives that will recognize Jesus through how you offer hospitality to them, how you make them feel welcome and heard. I do think as we practice hospitality, which was the um, instruction in the verse, I believe it will take practice. At times, we're going to grumble. I think there's been times where we've opened our house and I've been like, oh, I've got to tidy the house. And that's just our, our heart becoming misaligned, I guess, between what's, what's offering welcome to others and what's kind of showing our house off or hosting and being the hostess with the mostess. I want to be aligned to what Jesus says about hospitality, and that's welcome. So my house might not be tidy, but you're welcome. And I think that will take off some of that grumbling, and I'm going to do it gladly. So our instruction is to welcome each other. It's to offer hospitality. It's to extend that invitation to the stranger. And sharing with one another will become easier when we make it less about entertaining and more about realness. We don't have to have it all together, but each one of us does have a contribution to bring. 
And most importantly, I guess, it's remembering that this hospitality, this welcome, is simply an extension of the welcome and hospitality that we have received in Christ accepting us. The table is laid, God is with us, and everyone is invited. I'm going to invite Sam up. Um, we're going to respond to this by using our imagination um, and interacting with, I guess, that invitation that Jesus gave to his disciples to, to eat with him. So you may want to close your eyes for this. Um, you may want to stand up or sit down. Just be, be as comfortable as you can be and choose to engage with what Jesus says to you. I believe that he speaks to each one of us and that he's got unique things to speak to you today. So, imagine a table is laid for you. Maybe isn't a physical table, maybe it's just a chair, space on the floor. But a table is laid for you and Jesus is sat there. And he invites you to join him. He calls you by name and invites you, come and eat with me. How do you feel when Jesus calls you by name and invites you to the table? You pull up a chair and share a meal with him. How do you feel? Perhaps you feel known, loved, heard. Do you want to say anything to Jesus in response? The table is laid already, but Jesus invites you to bring your contribution. Maybe you can't imagine, what could I possibly contribute? Maybe you're tired, busy, unprepared, or simply already in awe of what Jesus has already prepared for you. Yet he still invites you. Bring yourself, he says. Pause for a moment. What would you like to bring of yourself? What's your contribution? What's your offering? You look around. There's space at this table. Who do you want to be sat there with you? It's a family feast. Who do you want to extend the invite to? Perhaps there's, perhaps there's some people you know by name, friends, family members, or some people groups that you want to be represented. If you're unsure, why not turn to Jesus and ask him, who are these seats for? Jesus, we thank you that you do lay a table for us, 
that that table is laid for us daily, whether we're feeling good or whether we're feeling in a hard place, the table is laid. We thank you that you are there with us, that you chose to invite us, and that through your cross you made a way for all to be invited. Come and show us who needs to be invited and use us as your children to extend your welcome to those in the church and those outside the church, that they may know your 